0: Welcome again to an ongoing series here with the Traverse City Church of Christ, our series on faith, hope, and love. Before we get started, let's go to God in a word of prayer. Father, what a joy and a blessing that we have this time that is set aside, we may study another part of your word. It may be profitable to us, it may cause us to have not only a closer walk with you, but a closer walk with one another. May there be peace in the world through our leaders that we might be able to spread the gospel to those who are so desperately in need of it. And Father, be with us in each congregation that we may be about the business of your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We have been studying about faith, hope, and love and just a Brief review of where this comes from. Paul says at the end of his great chapter on love in 1 Corinthians thirteen thirteen. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. We looked at faith in the beginning. We looked at the definition of what faith is, and there were several places that we chose to look at, and I'll just choose this from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their recommendation. And so, we looked at several aspects of faith in Hebrews 11.1. We looked at uh, the fact that it's the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We've looked at the fact that there is a God in Hebrews 11.6. And that God is the creator in Hebrews 11.3. And faith is to see us through in Hebrews 11:2, faith that changes the way that we live in Hebrews 10:38, and a faith that pleases him, drawing near to him as it pertains to worship, and faith to follow the commands in God's word as it pertains to the church. We next looked at hope, a definition of hope, the confidence, anticipation, expectation, faith, goal, optimism, prospect, security, trust, and wish, all of those things. And we looked at what Paul said in he in first Corinthians chapter fifteen, verses sixteen through twenty. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope, in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So this hope that we have is for something beyond this life. It is a Faith that we will spend eternity with God, and that is all made possible through Christ. We have looked at love as it pertained to our love of God's work, and that was last week's class. And we looked at several verses from Psalm 119. We came down to verse 97 where it says, Oh, how I love your law, it is my meditation all the day. And we looked at some of the devotionals that the congregation here is providing. Uh, several hundred uh, to count to date uh, that we use so that people may start off their day with a five to ten in some cases a little bit longer, but devotionals that will set our day off, that we may be able to uh, devote that meditate upon those all the day. So now we look at love in this. It is the agape. Uh, It is the affection or benevolence, specifically a love feast or charity, a dear love. It occurs in the King James Version 116 times, that verse, uh, just in that tense of uh, of the noun. And so we look at this love that we ought to have as it pertains to what our lives would look like. So, Jesus told his disciples in John fourteen fifteen, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He also said in John twenty one fifteen, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he told Peter to feed my lambs. And of course, that was three questions that he asked. Two of those were agape and one was phileo, uh, different types of love that he spoke of. So we look at uh, love causes us to perform in a certain way. In John 13, 35, Jesus said, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This would be one of the hallmarks that people would recognize. Do we love one another? In John chapter 17, uh, Jesus a great One of his great prayers, verses 20-22, through 22. I do not ask for these only, Jesus speaking to the Father, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that we may be one, they may be one, even as we are one. So there is a unity that is talked about. And this has not always been the case in God's people. We Go back to the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 12, and verse 16. We look at the division between the northern and southern kingdom when it came down to Rehoboam and Jeroboam. When all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, "'What portion do we have in David? "'We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. "'To your tents, O Israel.'" Look now on your own house, David. So Israel went to their tents. Of course, this was uh, by de- design of God uh, because of the uh, idolatry that they had committed under Solomon. But it still shows that there was a great division, and they divided according to their own uh, heritage, according to which tribe they were from. Going back a little further into 2 Samuel chapter 20, verse 1, it says, Now there happened to be there a worthless man whose name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite, and he blew the trumpet and said, We have no portion in David, and we have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tent, O Israel. And this was under King David. So this has been uh, constant through them. It comes to the New Testament, and, and Paul is greatly disturbed by this when he reads reports that come out of Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So Paul, disturbed by the fact that there are divisions among them because people seek to follow someone. It may have been when he talks about, I follow Paul because of his teaching, or Apollos because of his teachings, or Peter, uh, referring to Cephas here, or Christ. Uh, There ought not to be these divisions. So what does love look like among Christians? Well, I believe one of the great chapters that we have just caught a glimpse of earlier was from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul's chapter on love. The greatest of these is love, the three that abide, faith, hope, and love. And so we look at Paul as he begins this chapter. He talks about that the fact that love must cause an individual to behave in a certain way. He says, if, and in verses 1, 2, and 3, you'll notice that I have these underlined. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So Paul, speaking to the church, and remember this follows on the teaching of they were puffed up over one being able to speak in tongues, another having prophecies. Uh, there was a division amongst them, one believing that they one was greater than the other. But he says... These are all nothing if you do not have love. And then he launches into, and we've looked at the definition agape, and there are others within that form of agape that we could look at. We looked at the definition, but a definition is only a definition. It's only a description. But if we can have examples of what love looks like in us, then we're better able to know that's, that's what our character should be. Paul does that very same thing as he continues on into verses 4-8. through Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. So Paul gives this description, and we're going to look at these individually to see uh, how Paul and other places in the Scriptures, whether it is Peter or James or Christ or something from the Old Testament that describes these, that these are all consistent with what God desires of us to be. So the first thing he talks about is to be Uh, patient and and strictly for the greek definition it means forbearing or patient to to bear or to suffer long to be long-suffering to have patience uh, to patiently endure and a verse that we look at is from ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 3 i therefore a prisoner for the lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called so here's a description if you are worthy of this calling this is what you should have "...with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace." So again, this is consistent with what Paul teaches. The the letter that Paul writes to the church at Ephesus comes many years after he wrote to the church at Corinth, but it is still consistent in his message that he speaks. Our next one is kind or kindness. Kindness. Uh, the Greek word here is to show oneself useful, that is to act benevolently. Uh, this kindness that is spoken of. There's going to be an opposite here in a, in a little bit that he's going to talk about, uh, it is not rude. But here it talks about kindness. He writes to the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. Put on then as God's chosen ones. Remember that Paul many times signifies that if we are chosen or set apart or called, Uh, that this will be significant in our lives, what we ought to have. Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. So many times we will see these character traits all in a group, lumped together, and kindness here, as he says, uh, as god's chosen ones, these are the things that we ought to have. We ought to put them on just as we put on clothes. It says it does not envy and envy uh, in the in the Greek has a positive and a negative, but here it is obvious that it does not uh, that it is speaking of the negative part of that uh, to covet, uh, to be jealous over uh, and that's in the bad sense it doesn't it is not envious. He speaks in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So there were negative traits, and especially in Galatians chapter 5, as Paul compares the works of the flesh as opposed to the works of the Spirit. Uh, in the fruit of the Spirit, he's let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. He, Paul does not desire that those things uh, are part of the walk of the Christian. It says, does not boast, means to vaunt oneself or to be a braggart. Uh, James talks about those who would speak of, well, this is what we're going to do. In James chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. In Romans chapter 1, verses 29-31, uh, Paul relates to those who were evil. He says, They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, Haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And we see that boastful, uh, you look at these characteristic traits of those who are evil, uh, and boastful, being boastful or haughty or arrogant uh, is part of that. He says this, that was their hallmark. That is what identified them. Uh, and it says, it is not arrogant. Uh, Just a slightly different uh, meaning from the word that was just looked at. It's a sense of blowing or to be inflated, to make proud or haughty or puffed up. It's not arrogant. Love is not that way. He writes to the church at Corinth earlier in chapter 8 and verse 1, Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So this knowledge that puffs up or makes one feel as though they are uh, better than other people, so that they can boast of themselves. Uh, Paul says this is not good, but he says that love builds up. Love seeks to build one another up and seeks to encourage. But knowledge doesn't do that when it puffs us. Colossians 2:18. Pardon me, Colossians 2:18. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in de- detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. Believing that this type of worship would set them apart from others, making them better, puffing them up without reason of a sensuous mind. It says it is not rude or to act unbecoming, or behave uh, self uncomely, or unseemly. In second Thessalonians three, seven through eight. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but work with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. And later in Thessalonians, in this passage, Paul would talk about that they ought to imitate them. But he says we were not disorderly, and this is the New King James Version um, that uh, gives us this. Not disorderly. They weren't rude among them. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-4, through 4, uh, Paul tells about the, uh, what would come in the later days. He says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, there's this little rudeness there, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And notice how these can be lumped together, and we often see them together in this. He says in, those, in these last days, these days that we live in, even those days that uh, Paul was speaking to him, in the last days, these things will uh, be typical. It says it does not insist on its own way. And Paul spoke in Philippians about uh, the imitating Christ and what he was like, and we ought to be like him. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. He would tell the church in Corinth earlier in 1 Corinthians 10.24, Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor not always insisting on our own way. and You know what it feels like to be around people who always have to have their own way. But love does not insist on its own way. It doesn't always have to be my way. It is not irritable. Uh, the Greek word might not give us the, uh, the meaning, but it says to sharpen alongside, to exasperate, to be easily provoked or stirred. It says love is not this way. James one19 through twenty says, "Know this, my beloved brothers: Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God." The Solomon says in Proverbs fourteen twenty nine, "Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly." So it says, uh, it speaks of that is not irritable, is not easily exasperated. Uh, these things that we, uh, we look at here. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. Uh, Kakas. It means uh, to be depraved or injurious, to bad, evil, harm, or ill. It says it doesn't take into account a wrong that is suffered. It doesn't hold a grudge. In Philippians four eight. Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Uh, Not about uh, holding a grudge or being unforgiving, which would lead to bitterness. Uh, Titus says, To the pure all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure. Both their minds and their consciences are defiled. There is that which we dwell on which leads us only further and further away from Christ. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Um, it doesn't celebrate those things which are wrong. Romans 1.32, it says, Though they knew God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. In Jeremiah 8.12, were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among the fallen. When I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. So as we we look at these types of things uh, that the mind concentrates on, love bears all things. The Greek word means to, to roof over, that is, to cover with silence. Love bears all things. Romans 15.1 says, "We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves." Paul tells the church at Galatia, the churches in Galatia. Pardon me, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bearing one another, uh, covering over those things, it believes all things. The psalmist David writes in Psalm one nineteen sixty six. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Proverbs 1, 2 through 2-4 uh, We look at to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction, in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. When well, it says it believes all things, it doesn't make us gullible, but... It shows us that we're able to be prudent and to discern and have discretion in these things, but it believes the things that God tells us without doubting. James tells us in James 22 through23 in this, this passage that is quoted about Abraham is, is quoted several times in the New Testament. You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Believes all things, uh, those things which are written in the word of God for us. Believes it without doubting, without questioning God's motives in this. It says it hopes all things. Paul would speak to the church at Rome, Romans 8, 24 and 25. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. It is interesting from the book of Proverbs, the, uh, the wife of great value, uh, Proverbs 31.25, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She doesn't fear the future. She has a hope uh, in her life. Uh, The sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. The sluggard and those who are lazy and the sinful, they fear many things, but uh, not so with a person of faith. It says, it endures all things. It stays under uh, to undergo or bears under trials, to have fortitude or to persevere. 2 Timothy 4.5 says, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And Jesus told his disciples, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end shall be saved. And James said, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him, to endure until the end. And so we're going to look at uh, some of these, uh, uh, just a couple of passages, as we are going to close here shortly, in Second Peter chapter one verses five through eight, Peter gives us uh, a command, and he wants these things to be in our life. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So adding these things, and these are things that we need to possess and to be adding them, constantly building upon these, having them in our lives. Paul writes to the church at Philippi, Finally, brothers, we looked at this passage earlier. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul tells about, Uh, Practice these things. Some of your verses may say, Think on these things. These ought to be the things that we practice and dwell upon in our lives. And finally, as we look at the fruit of the Spirit, which I made reference to earlier in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is, it begins with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And think about these in relationship to what Paul spoke of in his letter to the Corinthians there in chapter 13, of how many of these have been linked, not only in Galatians, but also in the book of Peter that we have talked about there. And as we look at this These things are there because we have love. These are the things that we practice. So as we close this class, uh, just a very brief class, and looking at those things that we ought to have in our life, it is because we love God and God has loved us that we desire to have these things in our life. I hope that you have enjoyed this and it's been profitable to you and that you'll continue to study on such things as this. As we close, let's go to God in a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for the time that we have had. Though it has been brief, we pray that it has been truly profitable for us. and We pray that the word of God might dwell in us and that our faith might increase because we have looked at your word. May we strive and desire to have this, the things that are talked about in our lives as we have studied. In Christ's name we pray.